Welcome to the Better Buildings podcast, Canada's conversation about opportunities for improvement in the built environment. Better Buildings is presented by Canadian Consulting Engineer. I'm the editor, Peter Saunders, and I'm here today with Mark Carver of Natural Resources Canada and Dan DeCare of Ottawa Community Housing to discuss their efforts to install prefabricated panels to make buildings more energy efficient. It's good to have you both with us on the podcast today. Maybe I'll give you now the chances to uh, introduce yourselves. Thanks, Peter. I'm Mark Carver. As you mentioned, uh, I'm a researcher with uh, CAMMED Energy in Ottawa, and I'm joined today by Dan DeCare. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm Dan DeCare. I'm the Manager of Conservation and Sustainability for Ottawa Community Housing. And basically, we've got 15,000 units of uh, social housing in Ottawa, and uh, my job is to try and make them as energy efficient as possible. Great. So we're definitely getting into that. Now, Mark, starting with you, can you tell us about your background and how you've been working to seal up the building envelope? Well, I, I as I mentioned, uh, I'm uh, with CAMMED Energy. I'm trained as a mechanical engineer. And uh, for maybe I'll back up a little bit with some background on CAMMED Energy. For those who aren't familiar, probably lots of your listeners have crossed paths with us over the years. Um, but we are the science and technology branch of Natural Resources Canada. We have three labs, one in Devon, Alberta, one in Vrennes, uh, Quebec, and one in Ottawa. And uh, our mission is to, to lead the development in, uh, of energy science and technology solutions for the environmental and economic benefit of Canadians. And we do this through a number of different activities. Uh, we have uh, several different uh, scientific uh, experts and we have a lot of unique uh, pilot scale facilities. And so for example, with, with regards to your question on building envelopes and sealing them up, we have lab facilities to test building envelope assemblies uh, and novel materials uh, and measure heat flow and how heat and air and moisture move through them. We work uh, sort of at all different phases of the innovation spectrum from um, clean energy technology advancement and initial research uh, all the way through to commercialization. And we collaborate with partners, including manufacturers, academia, planners, builders, and all levels of government. And I think that this project that we're going to talk about today is a great example of how we've partnered with, with Ottawa Community Housing, or OCH, and with manufacturers to bring some innovation to how we renovate buildings. Who among those parties came up with the idea? That's a great question. So um, initially, the the idea uh, really um, was born out of a brainstorming session, if I remember back, probably seven or eight years ago that we were having with, with a number of colleagues. Um, meanwhile, they've been researching, researching and developing an idea like this in Europe for well over a decade. But before we were sort of became aware of that, we, we had identified um, disruption as a major barrier to deep energy retrofit. And I could draw on this personally uh, through my own experience. Um, I bought a heritage house over a decade ago that I retrofit uh, with the help of a good friend who is a carpenter and, uh, and my father. I had never even swung a hammer before uh, reaching into that project. And it was an amazing project. I learned a ton, but uh, it was 15 months of living through dust and debris and not having a kitchen. Uh, it was before I met my wife and we started a family, and I cannot imagine putting them through that now. 
so that was sort of the impetus was uh, traditional deep energy retrofits are uh, extremely disruptive. They're noisy, they're dusty. Um, and we, we started brainstorming ways uh, we could come up and, and, and sort of standardize um, the way we do deep energy retrofits and really try to minimize the amount of disruption. And that was this idea uh, that sparked this idea of a kit of parts, essentially, um, that could be applied largely from the outside um, to retrofit uh, existing buildings. How does that play out and affect the building? It's a good question. And, and the whole idea of this, this peer concept, prefabricated exterior energy retrofit, is to really try and minimize the amount of uh, work that has to happen inside the building. Now, as Dan will mention, and, and <laughs> there, there's still a lot of things that have to happen. We're, we're still um, changing mechanical systems and, and intervening, but the whole concept is really to try to minimize the amount. So in a nutshell, what the, what the process involves is, is sort of four major steps. The first is what we call building capture. That's how do we rapidly and accurately measure a building to get all the dimensional data that we're gonna need. Uh, we're using things like 3D laser scanning or photogrammetry. That's the technology of taking measurements from photographs. Um, and we use those to build a digital model of the building. And from that, we can design a set of panels uh, that will overclad or essentially wrap a whole new building enclosure around the building. We can develop shop drawings uh, from that, then custom fabricate these panels that have all of the different control layers that they will need. Um, so um, bulk water control, um, air control, vapor control, and, uh, and thermal control. Um, those are all pre-assembled in a factory or in, a, in an offsite shop, and then lifted into place or craned into place to complete the retrofit. So is the idea that you're creating a new building envelope outside the existing one? Exactly. Yeah, that's right. And and in theory, uh, this can really reduce the amount of time uh, that's needed on on site um, and uh, and a lot of the disruption that's associated with that with that site work. In in execution, this has to be a holistic type of retrofit. And obviously, if we do um, dramatically tighten up the building envelope, we have to look at things like providing um, ventilation air. But the, we think the, the building envelope is the logical place to start. And the reason for that is that in Canada, about two thirds of our energy use uh, is, is used by space heating or to heat our homes and buildings. Um, and so a deep energy retrofit traditionally is understood to mean a reduction of, of at least 50% of a building's energy use. So just by addressing that space heating demand, we can dramatically reduce that energy, uh, that overall energy use. And once the heating and cooling loads are addressed, we can then right size the mechanical systems, and add ventilation and offset remaining loads with a, a reasonably sized PV array that will actually fit on the building to get all the way to net zero. That sounds like a lot of moving parts. Dan, turning to you, what are the economics like to take this on for your buildings, comparing the upfront costs to the savings that result? Well, so you have to really take a long-term ownership approach when you're talking about this, right? Um, we are looking out 30 and 30 to 60 years on our buildings. We are long-term owners, and that's actually why this is a really good model for uh, social housing retrofits. These houses were built in the 1950s and 60s. Um, they are at a life cycle tipping point. 
And we plan on keeping, we want to keep them around. In fact, if we don't do some amount of work, we might lose this stock. And that means losing units. And right now we are in a housing crisis. So it is, this is not only just an energy question, it's a question of maintaining our stock. Now it is not a, uh, we're, we're working at making the economics work as best as possible, but we are talking about expensive uh, things. Right now we're somewhere around that $200,000 mark per unit, uh, which is similar to when Energy Sprong started in, the, in, in Europe. They were around that very, like we're talking about the first four units, right? Uh, but as we look towards the next 100 and the next 500, we're hoping to drive that from 200,000 uh, all the way down to close to that 100,000, probably under that. Uh, and those are similar uh, reductions of 30 and 50% that we also saw with the Energy Sprong uh, project as it gained momentum. By per unit, do you mean per each uh, tenant's unit or per building? Because these are multiple buildings, right, that we're talking about? Per unit. That's right. So, for example, uh, we are talking about a four-unit block of townhomes right now. So, four units, you know, somewhere around 800 to uh, $1 million for the current project that we're looking at. And that also includes a lot of uh, upfront consulting that you probably aren't going to repeat the second time. And it doesn't include any sort of uh, scale um, um, economies of scale that you'd get when you do multiple projects. Now, how do you justify such a, a large expenditure? The way that you do that is that you have to look at the next 30 years of not only energy savings, but also these are the, <laughs> there's going to be a status quo cost to maintaining these buildings, especially when they're at a life cycle tipping point. So we dug into our, um, our capital planning. We said, hey, we know how much money we are gonna spend on this building for the next 30 years. And if I take that next 30 years of capital and I give it a net present value, I see, hey, I could, I'm planning on spending, you know, 60, $80,000 per unit anyways. To that, I get to add maybe $30,000 of utilities. That's even before you add escalation and the upcoming cost of carbon uh, increase that we need to factor in, in order to have any sort of impact on our climate change. And by doing, taking those net present values, all of a sudden I can get to, you know, a reasonable $100,000 uh, investment today makes sense in order to offset that consumption for the future. Um, and then <laughs> granted, when we started this project, this was done a little bit, call it maybe haphazardly with our finance department. But what we're describing here is a total cost of building ownership, which is really an emerging way of looking at these types of projects. And when we're talking about long-term financing, making this attractive to a large lender like a bank or even maybe a pension fund or something like that, this type of analysis and this type of thinking is what's required in order for them to see this as, hey, this makes sense because I now get to read, if I do this upfront capital investment, I get to reap the benefits of these, like just this one building, for example, we're saving $1,600 a unit uh, by get, bringing it to net zero. So, you know, that's 8,000, around $8,000 of revenue every year for this upfront investment. And that's how we're able to finance this uh, over a long period of time. How did you become involved then in this and this becoming the, uh, the peer project involving your buildings? Well, so as Mark was doing on that research side, uh, I'm not quite sure how me and Mark met, but I assure you it was absolute fate. Uh, because as he described what he was looking at on the research side, I, uh, and on my side, I, we were looking at doing capital planning for the next 10, 20, and 30, like how do we keep these buildings around? And not only that, with the city of Ottawa's now very ambitious climate change master plan, 
we have to eliminate GHGs from essentially all of our residential, all of our existing residential buildings, uh, at least by 2050, if not by 2040. So I was looking at not only retrofit from a capital point of view of maintaining these buildings, but also bringing them to net zero and trying to find a way to finance these things over the next few years. Uh, and as Mark was describing the project that the, the, the research that he was doing is like, this is exactly it. We want to replicate this exact energy sprung that took place in Europe. We want to do that, but in a Canadian context, which is exactly what Mark was doing. They were looking at, hey, this is how different our industry is. This is how we need to approach it. And so, uh, like I said, it was it was a little bit of fate. Um, they we then kind of said, let's use our building as a template. We went through our entire portfolio, found the building that made the most sense to use as a sample, and then the last two years of uh, of the research portion basically focused on poking and prodding that very building, the nine uh, the one ninety seven to two hundred three Pressland. Um, I mean, we've been all over that building. We've had so many consultants go all throughout it, um, done multiple different rounds of photogrammetry all over it, done some drone drive uh, drive-bys, all that kind of thing. Like it, it, it really uh, got the full uh, kit and caboodle. Yeah, that was the next thing I was gonna ask is, you know, you talked about um, uh, Canman Energy has the labs, you have the buildings, but who else was uh, required to get involved? Uh, were any consulting engineers involved? Yes, uh, so there was a, a research team that, as Dan mentioned, transitioned into the design team for the project. There were uh, professional engineers, consulting engineers involved uh, on the mechanical side, the electrical side. There were structural uh, consultants involved in the project. We worked with a, um, a consultant, uh, Cold Climate Building, uh, who's been involved in doing high-performance panelized buildings for um, for many years in Canada and really been at the forefront. Uh, and they were involved in, um, in designing and detailing the panel connections and the joints and how we were going to uh, maintain all of these different control layers, for example, at the joints. So this was a, very much a, a collaborative project. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I know... Um, you know, you, your audience will be interested perhaps in how they may get involved. We think there's a very obvious role um, for consulting engineers going forward uh, in this type of work in just about any uh, discipline that is involved in, in buildings, whether that be um, the building enclosure consultants or even fire protection uh, disciplines. Um, and the, the there are a couple of Canadian initiatives. Uh, the Pemben Institute and BC Housing right now have the reframed uh, initiative underway um, in BC. There's also the Recover initiative uh, in Nova Scotia that are really looking to aggregate demand and build a market for this type of project across the country. So I would encourage any any of your listeners who are interested in learning more to uh, to check those initiatives out. And uh, we have a, an industry working group uh, that helps steer our research project. And so certainly if, if anybody is listening and wants to get involved with that, I would encourage them to, to reach out. They can get a hold of me by email or uh, if they want to join our mailing list, they could do the same. And 
you know, there are over 500,000 social housing units across the country, and, and I'm not sure uh, if Dan would agree, but I suspect he would. Just about all of them will probably need some form of, of retrofit over the next 30 years. So we see the affordable housing sector as a real catalyst market for scaling up this type of concept uh, across the country. And local housing providers are your partners uh, in this work. They are, they are active right across the country. So if you don't already know your, your local housing provider, uh, uh, reach out to them um, and, uh, and see how you can get involved in this type of project. It's a good point because, you know, existing building stock might not always kind of get as much attention uh, from uh, firms as uh, new projects, uh, but the potential to retrofit existing buildings uh, to make them uh, much more energy efficient is obviously so much larger than the potential to only work on new buildings going up. Now, beyond this type of building, uh, you know, kind of multi-tenant residential or, or even in the cases of, uh, you know, townhomes where they're sort of separate homes but connected, uh, scaling up from that. And uh, do you see um, any really obvious examples of buildings that also need this treatment that have just been crying out for it in terms of uh, aging uh, infrastructure, uh, you know, 50, 60 year old buildings in other types of uh, um, sectors like institutional buildings, commercial buildings at all? How about this? Like, absolutely. Uh, for us, like, yes, we're talking about our low rise right now, but all of the high rises were built at the exact same time, or all of our mid to uh, to high rises all got built at the same time, uh, all with kind of that similar energy efficiency approach, right? Um, and in fact, right now in uh, in Hamilton, they're doing a similar project uh, that we're doing on a low rise. They're doing the high rise project, which is the Ken Sobel Tower at 500 McNabb. They're, they're doing the Enerfit retrofit, which is essentially retrofitting an existing building to passive house standard. Um, and that is, we're, we're, we're doing the low rise and we're looking to them because uh, they're another social housing provider. They're doing the high rise and we're kind of exchanging stories as we're going because when I look at the next 10 years, and in fact, we're applying for funding right now, we need to do that exact same thing to our high rise buildings in order to meet the GHG reduction targets uh, that we're trying to reach as a city as well as, as a country. So there is excellent application. This same process, it may not, it'll be, maybe the panels are a little bit different, maybe the application is a little bit different, because uh, for example, the Ken Sobel Tower, instead of going with a panelized system, they went with literally adding Roxel insulation in slabs, in little slabs all the way up, and then doing a, um, a stucco coating across the entire building. Different approaches, but essentially you're, you're doing that deep energy retrofit from the outside in all cases. And actually the McNabb uh, site also has no, uh, no occupancy right now, which makes it a little bit simpler, uh, which definitely complicates things when you're trying to keep the tenants, uh, when you have occupancy in the building and you're trying to do all this work. Um, it, it definitely adds a layer of, of complication. I didn't want to assume too much when I first read about this project uh, and saw what uh, Mark had said about it. You know, I didn't see those two little words passive house, but are you guys going to basically achieve that same level of performance as something like the Ken Sobel Tower? It will be pretty much the same level as the Ken Sobel Tower, which is that enter fit standard. Mm -hmm. Retrofit um, instead of new building. Like, yeah. Um, we're aiming to be around one air exchanges per hour. Uh, is the target. Uh, if we wanted to be passive house, you'd need to go 0.6 air exchanges per hour. Uh, we're doing uh, five out of these six sides of the building because we can't go underneath, uh, but we're greatly improving that air, that, um, 
air sealing. And then when it gets to the insulation side and the performance of the equipment, we will be on par with the passive house building. Um, so it's just that that air that that new building envelope um, is you know it's it's going to be really good, but it's just not going to hit that that passive house requirement. So it's yeah. Better. So tell me a little bit more then about that kind of follow up. So once the panels are in place and you're going in and uh, adjusting the mechanical systems, uh, tell me about what you, the potential is there. So uh, the idea there is we're going to be removing all of the gas. So it's an opportunity for since we've done that uh, that building envelope retrofit, we've reduce the heating loads and the cooling loads so much inside that building that we can go with a much smaller, much more efficient and now electrified solution. We're basically taking out the hot water tank and putting in a heat pump hot water tank, as well as removing the natural gas furnace and putting in a heat pump uh, natural gas furnace. We're also retrofitting the existing forced air system uh, to become a heat recovery ventilator. So we're actually getting that, that cold air return is now being fed into a, a heat recovery ventilator and then feeding it back into the system, as well as giving fresh air to the building. Cause now we've sealed up that building envelope. Usually you had your natural uh, infiltration that was giving you your fresh air. Now we need to have that dedicated system to bring in outdoor air, but also we wanna do those uh, that heat exchange in order to uh, make sure we don't lose all that fantastic uh, heat that we've worked so hard to keep inside the building. But now once that we've got all that new mechanical system uh, and we've got our new building envelope, we have this small amount of energy that we can now uh, cover with some sort of renewable energy. So our southern facing roof exposure is going to get covered with 34 uh, kilowatts of solar panels. Um, and basically each home is getting its own piece of that array, which is going to offset the, it's going to be generating as much energy as the tenants use for both plug loads as well as all the mechanicals in their homes a year, effectively making the homes net zero. Would you say anything about this approach is specific to Ottawa? You mentioned having looked at the example of Europe and then kind of uh, making it cater to your needs? I would say, like, we, the approach that we've taken, in fact, when uh, Mark's work so far has been focused on making sure that it is a toolbox that is applicable everywhere. In fact, our particular building, for example, we could have, uh, taken off the brick and sat our panels on the existing foundation. But we've actually taken the approach of standing them off from that because in some cases you might just have some, uh, some siding or something like that that can't support it. You need to add some amount of bracket or, thing, or something like that. So I believe that the approach that has been put together is extremely applicable to pretty much any sort of templatable, like to, to all templated buildings out there. Um, there is a lot of reproducibility. And Mark, you mentioned that, you know, CAMMED Energy has uh, facilities and, and labs and, and resources kind of across the country. Do you also see opportunities where this model uh, is adjusted for the realities of certain areas where, for instance, utility prices are lower or material costs are higher or even just, you know, labor costs? That's a great question. And, and I think that, um, you know, Dan sort of hinted at it that we have a lot of different um, uh, climate zones across the country. We have different energy prices and energy mixes uh, and different competing priorities. Uh, even construction practices uh, vary considerably. And, and the type of, of home or existing home or building construction that's, that's occurred over the, over the decades uh, has changed regionally. So there will be um, a need to adapt and, and refine 
refine the design slightly. That said, um, I think one of the biggest advantages of standardizing an approach is that uh, we don't have to start from scratch. Um, we have a blueprint that can easily be adapted um, for those different uh, areas. And, and actually, I, I'd point out one example. One of our peer industry working group members, uh, Peter Ambrongen of Butterwick's, uh, Butterwick Construction, is actually taking this concept and applying it to retrofit 59 townhomes uh, in a housing co-op in Edmonton. So uh, an even more demanding climate than, than Ottawa, um, they're taking a different panel design, but the same overall concept. Um, and it's a it's a quite a large size project. And with a with a project of that scale, they're they're taking advantage of economies of scale. Um, and uh, it's a really exciting project. You know, there's so much potential for this type of approach. There are very few examples to cite because these are really sort of the first of their kind in terms of of panelized. There have been very few net zero retrofits in Canada full stop, let alone panelized or prefabricated uh, types. But if if we are serious about uh, addressing emissions uh, from our existing housing stock, uh, I really think that this is uh, probably one of the only ways to scale up and really industrialize uh, the type of effort that it would that would be necessary to get to where we need to be by by mid-century. Yeah, I would imagine in Edmonton, because not only do you get the colder winters, but also certainly a hotter summer or parts of summer than than Ottawa. So you would also be able to test the uh, the question of uh, efficiency of uh, of cooling as well in a building like that. Yeah, and, and on the flip side, they also, uh, Calgary and Edmonton uh, benefit from from uh, uh, quite a bit of solar uh, um, uh, access. And so uh, the this particular project site is a nice, a true, heavily treed, mature uh, neighborhood. But, um, you know, there's a, another builder uh, I know well in, in Calgary who's really specializing now in net zero retrofits. Um, because of the solar access, they've they've really got their process down to a science and can complete these these projects quite affordably. Um, so we do see a real, I guess, um, rising tide for both consumer demand for these these types and and industry offering. Now, in the immediate future, what's next for the Peer Project? I'll speak uh, um, for uh, for both ourselves and and I think for for OCH, um, you know, the 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 focus immediately for the the pilot project here in Ottawa is uh, is focused on just wrapping up that that project. It's still under construction, um, and uh, we'll be working closely with Dan to to document the whole process, all of the lessons learned and uh, to refine that process. And, and uh, I, I'm excited for what's to come ahead as we work with OCH to try and scale up this approach over the next five to 10 years. Um, Anarchan is focused on answering the research questions. We're looking at um, you know, research questions with regard to the building science of doing this, ensuring that these buildings are more durable, comfortable, um, and more resilient, um, and we're not just focused exclusively on the energy questions. Uh, we're also developing other panel types and testing them. And we're working with Dan and his team right now to commission uh, our monitoring system. We have a lot of uh, data collection uh, equipment in these units um, to see if we actually get to net zero, uh, to understand what the impacts are to indoor air quality and uh, and some of the hydrothermal response of, of these, these building envelope assemblies. 
Um, and we'll be documenting all of that in case studies and, uh, and the lessons learned. As Dan sort of alluded to, we're working on um, a method for uh, evaluating what the total cost of building ownership is um, in a, in a you know, status quo, um, maintaining this, this building versus this net zero retrofit and what the long-term cost implications are for a housing provider. And then we're going to shift our focus to adapting this process for multi-unit residential buildings. Um, and uh, our focus at NRCAN will be to uh, collect all these lessons learned and develop reports and guides. Um, we are working on a building capture guide. So the step-by-step -step process and overview of the technologies for doing the measurement um, and doing the, the getting all of the, the um, uh, dimensional data that we need for for the design process and then uh, and also a guideline for design fabrication and installation of panelized retrofits and these will be available uh, uh, from our website by spring of next year 2022 and i would imagine as we speak about this in the early days of uh, january you know in a in a bitter canadian winter that one of the advantages of this approach also is that it could be more easily undertaken and continued throughout the winter right with the prefabrication happening off-site? Well, it, it absolutely is. In fact, we've uh, we got a little caught with uh, the weather on our current project, and we have been installing some of our uh, of our panels and some of our roof uh, in winter conditions. And in fact, like you say, since they were all prefabricated off-site, and as they get brought on, it actually goes very quick to actually do that site work, even with uh, some inclement weather. That's great to hear. Well, we're happy to hear about this project at this point in its uh, progress, and I'll certainly be watching to see how it uh, how it ends up and how that documentation comes about later. Thank you both for being with us today. Thank you very much for having. Thanks, Peter.